You know, when God talks to you, sometimes you think you've, you're a bit unique. I thought spring. It's a good time to talk about spring and a new day and something new. And you sort of get here and everybody's talking about it. I thought, well, I thought this was my gig. And God says, no, no. The rain falls upon everybody. The sun shines on every person. But it is great that we're in spring. For those of us who don't suffer too badly from hay fever, we love the flowers and rolling around in the grass and stuff. Um, but even a time of growth and refreshing and renewal has its downside sometimes. But we've got to admit that as, as spring, this season of spring races into our lives with what looks like indecent haste, and it, but it, you've got to admit, it lifts that, that veil of doom and gloom that winter provides for most of us. I know there are some people who, who are dreading the fact that the sun has now come out, that it's going to get warm, and they would prefer to burrow back into their little igloos and, and listen to the rain falling on the roof as, as they seclude themselves. But most of us, I think, appreciate the idea that we're, we're able to burst out anew and afresh. And I thought it was an appropriate time. We've talked a lot about our mental health and, and how we, we can consolidate and move forward. And, and part of all of that, and I think it, it of, often is seasonal, is this whole idea of hope. That spring brings hope. And the idea of hope is actually an important part of our own life rhythm. In the rhythm of life, as well as the rhythm of our seasons, hope is something that we need as a community, not so that we can be hopeful, which is important, but so that we can actually pass on that idea of hopefulness to the others. We're here to infect people, not with hay fever, but with hopefulness. And so, I mean, I read a great definition of hope in a Christian sense. And it says the confidence that by combining God's past faithfulness with trusting human response in the presence, the confidence that the followers of Christ will experience the fullness of God's goodness, both in the present and in the future. That sounds a pretty good thing to look forward to, doesn't it? And it's echoed in, in Psalm 78 verse 7, which says, so each generation should set its hope anew, because it's a new day, on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. There are nearly three references to hope in God in the book of Psalms alone. How many did I say? Three with a zero after it. Sorry, 30. Three doesn't sound like a very big number, really, does it? There's just three, three references in the book of Psalms. 30 references to hope in God in the book of Psalms alone. And this hope is an acknowledgement of the unchanging character of God that leads us to an abiding faith. And out of this faith comes our own worldview of God's action and involvement in our lives. And this morning, I want to look at two ways before I cough rudely into the microphone. <laughs> two ways. That is, two ways of looking at the application of that faith and how effective they may be. Sorry, sometimes I forget to drink. Vicky gets really upset as I wander around the stage with an open bottle and not taking the drink. Um, so I, I don't know whether she's glaring at me because I haven't dared look. But, uh, but we have to look. I mean, part of, part of the idea of faith 
is that it is something that helps us maintain a consistent life, which hopefully we could describe as faith-filled. Is that is that right? And so there are often different ways we can look at faith. And I've titled this The Light at the End of the Tunnel. And so I want, I want in a moment to show you a video clip. Now, I, I didn't really censor this. Is anybody here not able to see MA, MA Plus videos because you need to turn around and block your ears? Uh, I'm about to play you an excerpt from the, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And it's the, uh, the Battle at Helm's Deep from the Fellowship of the, uh, the Fellowship of the Ring or the Two Towers? No. Uh, two Towers? Yeah, the, the, it's, it's almost the final bit. So the, there will be a lot of uh, gnashing of teeth, clashing of swords and stabbing of, of orcs uh, involved in this. So if, if that sort of thing is not your cup of tea, um, perhaps put your dark glasses on or something. But I, I just wanted to, sh to show you this because it's a, an example and I think it's a stylized picture of often how we look at uh, our faith and how God comes through in our time of need. So let's, let's have a look at that. To make for the mountain pass and fire to the entrance. So much death. What can men do against such reckless hate? The cover. Right up. Right out at me. For death and glory. For Rome. For your people. Or sun is rising. Look to my coming at first light in the fister at Doyle. Send word for the women and children to make for the mountain path and fire to the end. So much death. What can men do against such reckless hate? Was it that good we needed to see it twice? Right out and meet. For death and glory. For Rome. For your people. Or sun is rising. Look to my coming at first light on the sister at Doyle. Yes. Yes. The horn of hell and a hand shall sound in the deep. One last turn him. Yeah. Then this be the hour when we draw swords together. Fell deeds awake. Now for wrath, now for ruin, and the red dawn. Oh, David! Where did Dave, see the curve. 
Yes, either in the thin face. Did anyone get a case? Did it? I have a Cadian Another lot. Rohan! If you want to see the rest of it, you have to go and watch Netflix or now, for those of you who aren't uh, engaged in fan, fan, um, fanboying on the Lord of the Rings, uh, excuse me, my computer's closed down. That no matter what what you know about the movies or or what you know about the plot, even of the movie, you can see there there's. There's obviously a really emotional char emotion charge scene where our heroes are besieged by overwhelming numbers and there's no hope of survival until at the 11th hour there is a light. Admittedly, not at the end of the tunnel, but there's a light that provides salvation in the face of impossible odds, a light that promises rescue from our worst fears and our most despised enemies. Does that sound like something Jesus would do for us? Well, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Yes, is the, is the, is the definitive answer there. But it's, it's also interesting that the characters in the movies enact some of the basic principles that we associate with our response to God's miracle-working power in our lives. Like Joshua, for instance, they had to be strong and courageous. They had to take a step of faith and not expect their rescuers to do everything for them. So they had to ride out to meet their salvation. They had to stand on the promise of their saviour that he would arrive at dawn on the fifth day, as he had promised. And so there are some consistent patterns in that plot that actually are things that we can learn as lessons when it comes to our faith in God and God's redeeming power for our lives. But now I'm going to show you another video. Much shorter, a lot less violent. <laughs> Thank you for that encouragement. Um, and it's a complete contrast to the one you've just seen. And it's actually, it's, it's, it's a music video clip of a worship song that was quite popular when I first came to faith in the late 1980s. It, it's possibly a song that some of you will have actually sung. We used to sing this in church. 
Um, and it's, I mean, and when you see it on the screen, let, I just want to remind you that this is not how it appeared to us. I can remember singing, I remember singing, singing it. There's a little screen here, and I think Richard Coombe was operating an overhead projector just down there, and there was an acetate sheet with the words in it on black and white. So what you'll see in a moment is actually quite sophisticated compared to what we, we heard. Um, we're only going to see about 60 seconds of this one because after that it repeats itself every 60 seconds. Anybody ever sang a worship song? Um, but, uh, and look, it's outdated. But I want you not just to, to look at the lyrics, but it's just think about the feel of the song and the, certain, the, the, the emotion that this song actually imparts compared to what you've just seen. So let's just, I was going to make you stand up and worship to it, but let's just listen to, uh, listen to this. Nostalgia. Is the weather Ah, it brings brings back memories. Uh, but I don't know whether you noticed, but here we have a different emotion entirely. Notice that there's no sense of urgency about that song. It sort of just pods along. And there's a steady, comforting cadence which carries the worshipper in a measured exaltation of the same hope which is so desperately expressed in the first video. And it's a light and a hope, but it doesn't rush in on a white steed to save the day. This light is walking with us side by side, step by step, it's a trusted, constant companion in our lives, providing a confident safety against all who would come against us. Now, this particular song kept me going through some of the hardest moments of my life. I like to call them the corporate cup. When I was working at Adelaide Uni, we used to run around the Torrens, 4Ks and the corporate cup. And I used to start it off full of confidence. I'd be there in my shorts and corporate cup t-shirt and I'd be jogging along I walk by faith each step and I was by the end it was I walk by faith if I don't die I'll be glad it was oh. but I, I, I chanted that song no matter what the beat it did slow down a heck of a lot um, but sometimes I think it was the only thing that got me across the finish line each day 
Because if you think about it, the whole song is a declaration of joy of having the constant and consistent presence of a life-altering, life-giving God in our daily lives, even to something as wussy as the corporate cup. I mean, I, I, I used to do it in about 25 minutes, 4Ks, and that was flat. It takes me an hour now. The only 4Ks I run is up Mount Lofty, so I don't know. It's not too bad. But you've got to think, okay, so this, this consistent presence in our life, does this sound like something Jesus would do? Yes? Oh, good. So if you think about it, there's two different ways we can look at faith at work in our lives. One, there's crisis management. Two, there's life management. So the first lends itself to scriptures like these, and I'm going to use Psalms again as my, as my source, Psalm 119, 81. I'm worn out waiting your rescue, but I've put my hope in your word. 119 verse 114, you are my refuge and my shield. Your word is the source of hope. Sounds warlike, doesn't it? We've got, we've got our sword and our shield. We're ready to meet the Urukai as they come down to uh, crush us. Whereas the second video is more in line of these Psalms, Psalm 146 verse 5. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. We're at 147 verse 11. Nope, the Lord's delight is in those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. Very gentle and, and calm. Now, I don't know, from my personal experience, I would say that most Christians, if not all, have had experiences where they've had to apply their faith in, different, in both of those different ways in their lives. And so... I want to encourage us this morning to embrace one of those more than the other. That, do I need to take a vote for which one of those it should be? It was, it was interesting on, on Facebook, I, I, I read an, an, an employee review that went basically, this person thrives in a crisis. Unfortunately, there always seems to be a crisis. Now, the only job description where that's a good thing, I think, is pastoring. Um, but I think it's the, th the thing we've got to watch ourselves when it comes to this idea of hope and faith in God is that it's really easy for us as a Christian community to come together in a crisis. We find it easy to rally around people, to pray for people, to raise money for emergencies, to pray for those suffering, grieving or destitute. It's what we live for. And yet, I don't think that's how God wants us to actually live all our lives. And yet we struggle with, I walk by faith, each step by faith. I go to church on Sunday. We get bored. It's, it's very hard for us to actually maintain what is normal. We'd rather get our sword out and fight the Urukai, but we remember Brendan said got to keep your sword there it's a demonstration that you have the power but you don't need to use it and so i think that as we as we zoom into spring we need to actually embrace the fact that our faith and our hope in god shouldn't reside in his crisis curing ability it needs to reside in our day-to-day -day rhythm and patterns Galatians tells us this in chapter 6, verse 8. 
says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Faith and hope should be in it for the long haul. Now, I know, I mean, if you watched movies, if you watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, you, you would think that life consisted of lots of battles with short terms times to, to recoup in between. Whereas, really, we need to be showing people that our life isn't like that. People who don't know Jesus don't want to be introduced to Jesus as somebody who once you become a follower of Jesus, your life becomes a series of crises in which only he can rescue you. We, we actually need to show people that our walk with Jesus is a relationship which has an effect on our life, which changes our life for the better. It doesn't mean that circumstances are always good for a Christian. But what it means is that we are partnered by somebody who is always good. The, we are partnered by somebody whose character we can always rely on. That we actually need to build his character into our daily lives so that we do, we walk by faith. We can run by faith too. We can sprint by faith if we have to. Only for short, to, short periods of time. But the, not being tired of doing what is good does not mean not getting tired of being nice to people. It actually means not being tired of having the goodness of God show in our lives on a daily basis. To do the things that sometimes we can think of more exciting things to do with. The same is true in every relationship, I think. But I want to use this, I want to use this as a shameless plug for something that I know people find boring. Why do, how do I know people find it boring? People don't come. Simple as that. But we have, on the 12th of October, at 6.30pm, across the road in the ministry centre, the opportunity to join in a global day of prayer where churches all around the world are going to gather together and pray. Now, if, if we get involved in this, none of us are going to star in it. We're there just, just to pray with thousands of other people around the globe. It's 6.30 in the evening, just after work. It's an inconvenient time to do it. Who thought of this stuff? You're tired. You've had a long day. But do we walk by faith? Is there a crisis if you don't come? No, probably not. But I think this is one of those important things where people look at us and they say, well, these people got it together. These people, these people are actually acting out what they say they believe in. I want to encourage everybody here and everybody who's not here to do whatever you can to come to the ministry centre at 7.30, 12th of October. I think it's Thursday? 6.30. What did I say? Well, you can come then too, but you'll have missed it. Um, <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't encourage that. Um, and... Do the things that don't give us any glory aren't about 
what we're thinking or, or our schedule. It's actually about joining together in something which takes an hour. We may not even get to speak, but we are there in spirit and praying with thousands of like-minded people around the world. There is power in that that may not be immediately manifest. For us, it may be manifest in the fact that you've spent an hour there and now you've got to rush home and cook dinner for the kids. We're screaming because you're an hour late. It may be difficult because traffic was really bad trying to get to the prayer meeting and it's just too hard. But I think this is the sort of thing that hope and faith are meant to bring to our lives. Where we put aside the things that don't honour God and come together, even if it's only once a year in a global prayer day, to actually respond to the fact that we are called not to grow weary about doing good. Because at the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And we don't know when that's going to be. So we've got to make sure we don't give up. Not today, not tomorrow, not on the 12th. And that's, I think, important when it comes to, I, I love the idea that it's a new day and God is doing new things, but he doesn't actually ask us to abandon the old things. Some things he might. But I think we need to show consistency in our, in our faith, a constant presence of God in our walk and a constant community accessibility that we are prepared to come together to honour our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we just stand? Now, I'm, I'm going to make a confession as I stand here. Prayer isn't my thing either. I sort of thought when... When I became a pastor, I thought God was going to smite me with a gift. That prayer would become like second nature. I would, I would pray over everything that moved all the time because that was just... No, God said, sorry, you're going to have to work at it. And I do, I have to, I have to work at it. I have to do things like set alarms and, and, and put um, those paper things in books. Posted notes and, and, and just markers to mark where, where, where I'm, I'm reading and what I'm up to. And I have to force myself into a routine which enables me to connect with God. Because I was horrified. It, it didn't, didn't come naturally. It wasn't like sort of God appears to me, let's walk in the garden together. Chris, that, he never does that. I, sit, I have to sit in a chair and I'm thinking about the fact that I should have put socks on because my toes are cold and... Does anybody ever find that things intrude when they're trying to pray? But I, I'm always reminded of that scripture, never tire of doing what is good, what is necessary, what is, what is pleasing to God. So I, I, want us, I want us to commit ourselves. I'm not going to ask you to commit to coming to the prayer meeting. I know it was mean of me to, to try and force you to do that from the pulpit because now you'll feel a bit obliged and... So the pastor said it from the front, if I don't turn up, you get a black mark in the book. And yeah, but I, I, nobody ever reads it. <laughs> and we don't have a book and I don't put a black mark in it. But 
I've lost my train of thought now. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, but yeah, I, I just encu- encourage us all to think about those things and think about you know the, the the impact that these things can have. It's not always immediately obvious. It's not as exciting as fighting orcs. Not as exciting as when God comes to us and, and rescues us in a crisis. But I think it's part of the bread and butter of our of our Christian walk to show the world that we are a community that prays together, that that projects our faith in the little things as much as the big things. So Lord, I pray right now that as we pray, that as we walk with you, that you bring us that hope and that certainty that you are walking with us that your character is unchanging, that we can trust in you. Their faith is not made void, that your promises are true now and forever. And we commit our lives to you afresh. In the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.